in a world where every diet you know is wrong. Well, not every diet. I mean... Yes, but almost every doesn't sound as good. Yeah, but... Shut up. One man stands alone. Well, not completely. I mean... It's time for Adam Martin, the No Breakfast Guy. And let's talk fast. Fasting, fitness, and fat loss. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy. And I hope you're doing what you love with the people that you love. So let's just jump into it. So guys, welcome back to another episode. We are here with a true champion of the 5 in 10 program. And anyone who is listening to this who is on the current program, because I know there's going to be people who are going to come across because they they're going to want to hear Michelle talk and uh, the fact that she's on our podcast. But to anyone who doesn't know who she is and um, who are you know, obviously coming to the podcast, Michelle is a, um, a person who's been on the program now for, I think this is your second time through, is it, Michelle? Yep. Um, and she has signed on as a full family member, which uh, has her on for the rest of the year as well. But she was actually last round's program champion um, for the incredible um, value that she brought, not only um, to myself, and I really enjoyed working with her, but to the other participants who found her videos and her content and her answering of questions as well in our community um, group page, uh, very valuable. And so she was a very deserving winner. And um, I wanted to do an update of, um, I guess, the podcast I did with um, Rachel many eons ago um, from when we started the program about a year and a half, almost two years ago now. Um, and so I want to do an update one. And I thought Michelle would be the um, perfect uh, guest to come on and talk about her experience, what the program means to her, and I guess uh, being program champion and all those things. And I've certainly rambled on. And so let me get uh, Michelle on. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. It's really, really lovely to be here. And, um, and thanks for the for the nice introduction. I appreciate it. And I'm excited to be here and have a chat. Excellent. Well, um, I guess for people at home listening into the show and, uh, you know, I've seen the title um, of whatever I'm going to end up calling uh, this particular podcast, I guess, introduce yourself and tell people who you are and I guess your journey over life. And then I guess, you know, I, I know we'll probably go into a little bit of detail because um, I'm sure we can share some great stories of both of us uh, took a year off uh, and you traveled the world. I traveled a country um, but you know that what that meant to you, and I guess we can kind of share stories on that. But then I guess where that then full circle brought you back to, you know, in 2019 at the end of that, and you kind of in into 2020 where you came across my stuff, and when we obviously crossed paths, and you know here we are in the beginning of 2021. So yeah, tell people your journey um, and kind of who you are and where you've come from. Yeah, definitely. So uh, my name is Michelle. Um, I live in Williamstown in Melbourne, Victoria, just across the Westgate Bridge. Um, I, uh, I grew up in the northern suburbs of, um, of Melbourne in a suburb called Glenroy. Uh, typical childhood, I was the oldest of three girls. Mum had uh, three under three, so she was pretty busy. Um, we sort of had a typical childhood. I spent most of my, um, you know, most of my childhood on my BMX bike, um, terrorising the neighbourhood kids with my sister and my friends and and uh, yeah, we had a we had a fun we had a fun childhood. Um, pretty early on, I got into golf. I was always into sport. Um, it was kind of a decision that I had to make at some point if I was going to play a little bit of cricket or a little bit of golf. And golf is um, what took my fancy the most. And from a very young age, I was able to jump on an aeroplane. I think my first trip overseas was to Jakarta, to Indonesia. 
when I played for Australia. And um, I quickly discovered a love of travel at a very young age. Um, but I also appreciated what Australia um, meant to me after being in Jakarta and seeing what life was like you know, in, in another country. So I really did form an appreciation for what I had in my life um, quite young. Played a lot of golf. Um, food at home was typical sort of European fare. We got fed a lot of food and, um, and a lot of big pasta dishes. So by the time I was 18, I was a little bit overweight. I was a little bit, um, a little bit uh, bigger than I wanted to be. And at the age of 18, I needed to drop a little bit of weight. And that was an interesting time for me because I'd just been asked to um, be in the first intake of the Australian Institute of Sport um, golf scholarship students. And for the very first time, uh, they were starting a golf program and it was gonna be based in Melbourne. So that was kind of my first taste, I guess, of working with a nutritionist. Um, so I was in the program for a couple of years, traveled a lot, played a lot of golf, and um, basically for the next 10 or so years, uh, I was just traveling overseas, spent most of my time in America, um, a fair bit of time in Asia. And um, I stopped playing when I was about 32. I'd sort of decided that I'd had enough, um, got home, decided to stay home. And um, I've been home sort of ever since. I haven't really stopped traveling. I've always loved it. Um, my, my happy place is either in a hotel room or on an airplane um, or in some random city or on, on a random bus, not exactly sure sort of where I'm going um, and trying lots of new foods and big cities. And, um, and I still try and do that as much as I can um, today. Yeah. Um, have you got a count of how many countries you've now been to then? I actually haven't. On our year away, we did, we visited 27 oh, um, countries. So we packed quite a bit in. The plan was to kind of stay put in a few, but um, we quickly discovered that we could still do it fairly cheaply and move around. And, um, and, and of course, it wasn't too soon down the track where a year wasn't going to be enough. Um, the timing was perfect for us because China was meant to be the last city that we were going to be in before we got home in December 2019 and of course that was where it was you know all started with the pandemic so we we're very lucky that we timed the year when we did and that we were home when we got home. Absolutely and so where did I mean I want to get into more of that um, talk on um, you know that, that year off and you know what that meant to you and kind of why you went and did that um, but I certainly didn't know your background with regards to golf and as, as I guess as detailed you went into that I knew you played golf and I knew you were quite good at golf and I knew you enjoyed golf but how was that experience as I said I guess being a young adult and then I guess traveling the world playing golf and I mean I mean this is how base knowledge my uh, or I guess baseline my knowledge is on golf I mean I could reel off Curry Webb and that's about as far as I get in the female golf kind of so I mean like I don't know much about um, golf at all um, and so yeah like what was it to kind of I guess travel as a as a young kid growing, you know, obviously growing up as an, as an adult as well, playing, I guess, professional sport. Like, Yeah, well, Kari is a good place to start. So I played um, my junior golf and my senior golf um, with Kari. I turned pro when I was uh, 21. And for me, it just kind of seemed the, nat the next natural thing to do. Um, I didn't have a lot of money. I basically just had enough sponsors to kind of start my year off. 
Um, and my first trip was basically, yeah, to, to America. Um, I flew into Illinois on my own. I was meeting up with a couple of other, uh, sorry, a couple of Aussies there in, um, in a place called Decatur, Illinois. Um, got into Chicago, jumped on a Greyhound bus and started crying, basically. And, and I was, I got into this very average hotel room and I got on the phone to mum and I was really upset. And, and of course, mum was stoic in her response and, and mum's emotional as well, but she did whatever, you know, any other, any good mum would do and say, Miss, you're going to be all right. You're going to make new friends when you get out there and you're going to play some good golf and you'll be fine. Just stay over there. And, um, and I did. And honestly, it was the start of a, a 10 year experience that, um, that I absolutely loved uh, when you just, you don't have any money, but you're traveling with your mates week in, week out. Um, we, uh, it was kind of like the satellite tour, I guess, that I was on. So we were playing in sort of kind of cities the same size as Geelong, I guess. Um, and you're just traveling in cars. Um, you're traveling with girls all over the world and you're just playing golf with your best mates. And that's kind of how it, how it was. And we, um, we stayed with families a lot of the time. So we were always billeted out. Um, and of course, the years that I went back, I'd be staying with the same American families. And, and it wasn't too far down the track where America really felt like home to me. And I was pretty sure that I was going to end up living there, um, you know, if I kept playing golf. Um, the years I had some, I had some good success where, I mean, there wasn't a lot of money to be made out there, but it was enough to keep sort of me happy and to keep playing. And I'd come home for the summer, work a little bit, try and gather up enough sponsorship just to basically get back on a plane and do it all again. So by the time I would start playing, I'd sort of gather maybe 10 or $20,000 worth of, um, playing money that I'd win throughout the year. And that would be enough just to sustain me until I, until I, you know, got home. Um, I played in the US Open in 2000 and that that was a, an amazing experience. Um, and I actually thought that was what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Um, I was pretty, pretty settled on that decision just because I loved, you know, the life. Um, and then I don't know, I think I just, uh, I guess, I, you know, I look back now and I think, why did I stop playing? And I think if I knew about self-development now what I knew back then I could have kind of talked my way into still playing and still living that life if if I wanted to um but uh yeah no I think when I when I finished it was time to finish and my sister had just uh, had a baby boy and I was really thankful to be home um and then not missing out on you know because I'd missed out on a lot of family um, you know, things that were going on all, all of those years, because I'd spend basically six or eight months away and then come home for three or four months of the summer. And my family got used to doing that. Um, we stopped crying at the airports when, when I was going for six months, because I, I got used to that. And I couldn't wait to jump on the plane and see my friends back in the US. Um, and, uh, and the family got used to me not, not being home as well. Fantastic. I mean, yeah. And so obviously that career ended. Um, and, you know, as you said, it was the right time for it all and uh, moved into your new life and where you are, I guess, still probably to this day now. But the year off then um, that you and your partner went away on, like, was that was that a conscious decision that, you know, in 12 months time, we're going to do that? Or was it like a, you know what, do you want to just leave and go away? Like, was what was the kind of decision process to kind of get you to there? Um, Travelling was never far from my mind. Never even when I stopped playing golf. Um, 
I'd be thinking about it when I was at work. I'd be thinking about it when I was riding my bike. I'd be thinking about it when I was running. I'd be reading traveling books. Even though I'd seen a lot of the world, I suddenly had this idea that I wanted to travel the world um, with a backpack and not much else. Um, and I started reading a book called um, Vagabonding. And Tim Ferriss talks about it a lot, actually, that he traveled with that book when he was traveling the world for sort of his extended trip. And um, I was kind of obsessing about it a little bit. That was all I wanted to do. And, and it was going, I guess, alongside the minimalist lifestyle that I was wanting to sort of live a little more by, if you like. Um, Tam, what do you think about us going away for a year? For just let's go, let's just travel, let's rent the house out, let's sell everything that we own, or well, not everything, but as much as we can. Let's get rid of it, everything that we've that I've been talking about. What do you think? Um, I'm kind of the big ideas person in the partnership, and Tam's the much more sensible one. Um, but she, uh, it didn't take very long for Tam to come on board, and before we knew it, we were doing everything that I'd read in the book about vagabonding that I needed to do. And that was kind of start planning what we needed to do um, to spend a year away. And we sold a lot of stuff. We gave away a lot of stuff. We digitized our lives. Um, everything I bought, I had to really consider, is this something that I still want in my life? Because I might not need it for the rest of my life. You know, what do I need to travel the world? And it, as you know, it turns out there's not very much that you do need. <laughs> um, you just need to have a sense of adventure um, and, um, and jump on a plane. So that's what Absolutely. we do. Fantastic. And we'll kind of, um, you know, go through it a little bit, but, um, get on to, I guess, the main part of this podcast, but just for my own interest sake, um, where did you start and kind of, where did the trip, uh, take you? So we started in, um, uh, South America. So that was going to be the first leg of the trip. And we didn't, we hadn't planned anything. We, we hadn't even planned our night's accommodation. Um, I think, maybe 24 hours before we left, we booked something in Santiago. So we bought a one-way ticket. Um, but we got to the airport and we were checking in and my nephew and my sisters were there and my mum. And the lady at the airport said, um, sorry, I can't check you in for this flight. And we're like, why? And she said, because you don't have any ongoing plans. I said, no, we don't. It's a one-way ticket. We don't know what we're going to do. Um, and she's like, sorry, I can't book you on this flight. And I'm like, oh my God, what are we going to do? So here we are. We've, we haven't even left the country and we've already stuffed up. <laughs> so I was like, hmm. So anyway, she said to us, look, you can just um, book a ticket um, online now, like a Greyhound bus, but in Chile, um, just to get out of Santiago. And that will be enough. That's enough proof that you're not going to be staying in, staying in Santiago and that you're going to be leaving that area. And I'll be able to book you in for, you know, on the flight. So we quickly got our laptops out. We're furiously finding, you know, the, the chilly version of, um, of uh, you know, a Greyhound bus and, and we booked a couple of $20 tickets and that was all we needed and we were on our, on our flight. Yeah. And uh, we got to San Diego and the first night it was 11 o'clock, we were hungry, we were walking the streets and I was like, what the hell have I done? <laughs> I was quite Tam was better than I was I was quite overcome with the enormity of um 12 months ahead live kind of not living on the streets but you know not having any plans not knowing where you're going to sleep everything on your back you know it was it was overwhelming for the first couple of days but um yeah so South America then we were in Europe we we're in the Middle East for three months we kind of went a quarter a quarter a quarter a quarter is just how it sort of turned out 
my family, my sisters and mum met us in Malta in April and that was fantastic. That was a bit of a lifelong dream to have us all there together. And that's where my family's from. Um, and uh, yeah, we went to Beirut um, a couple of times to Lebanon. We met a family there and um, wanted to go back and see them. They had a little baby later on in the year. So we managed to get some flights that aligned. Um, and uh, yeah, finished with a uh, retreat in India, in Goa, um, where we, we did a yoga retreat. And, um, and that sort of capped off the year. And so we were in Bangkok on the way home and you know, eating $2 pad thai on the street quite depressed that we were coming home um, to, to end the year. So, but it was, was a great, it was a great trip. Was that the always going to be the official end or because you had started hearing word of what's this thing going on in China that we, you, we better kind of start heading home or was that always the natural end? Yeah, it was always going to be the end. Cause I um, had to come back to my job and um, Tam needed to get a job so we we had a set amount of money that we knew we we could spend for the year um we, we probably could have gone on for you know a little bit longer but i had committed to coming back to my job um and then tam got a job thankfully um not too long after we got home fantastic yeah. um i guess it brings us full circle then um i think i remember you sharing with me that it was sometime march or april or something um of 2020 that um you were just scrolling around podcasts or something and then you came across one of mine and listened to it and then obviously went down the rabbit hole that is my content and then we obviously crossed paths uh when you you know inquired about um the five in ten program and obviously you joined that program and here we are today and so i just wanted to kind of get your two cents on and share your thoughts because you know i get asked all the time adam what is this five in ten program i'd like some information and i have an information sheet on it and i send that to People, and of course, I'm always going to be very biased and say, I think it's the greatest program on the planet. I think it has the greatest community on the planet um, and it can help people you know, achieve their goals, whether that's fat loss, whether that's changing life, whatever it might be. Of course, I'm always going to say that because it's my program, even though I fundamentally believe it to my core. Yeah. But I'd rather someone else who's gone through the program and you know, people can believe it or not, but I have not asked you to say anything. I haven't you know, told you that this is the script you must use kind of thing to make sure you talk up my program. But I just genuinely want you to come on as a, you know, a voice of someone who has done very well in the program. Um, and obviously you were the program champion last time around. But I just want you to speak from the heart and tell, you know, people listening in who are trying to get a sense of what is this five in ten program. What what have you found it to be a benefit? What have you found it to not help you with? What have you found that it has helped you with in your life or maybe other people in your life. And um, I guess, yeah, just talk to what the program is to you. And then we can obviously go into more detail of exactly, you know, step-by-step step what that program is. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, um, you don't have to pay me to say this, Adam, you know, I love the program. This is uh, round two for me. And I do genuinely say that with a big smile on my face because I truly have enjoyed it. Um, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure when I started if this was going to be just another program that I would start because I've done that over the years, um, many a time. And yeah, you're right. I discovered you in March of uh, 2020 when I was on a walk. Um, I, was, uh, I was 76 kilos at the time. So I was weighing a fair bit or maybe 75 kilos because uh, I'd obviously put on a, you know, a little bit of weight when um, I had after our trip. And so I was looking for something, for the longest time I've been looking for, um, for the secret to losing weight. And I had 
didn't feel like I knew what that was. Um, and like I said, I was still searching. I did a bit of fasting last year and that was how I came across your podcast. And um, I started listening in March, 2020. And basically I, I didn't stop. And uh, I did, I devoured all of your content. And for some reason, it all just clicked. Um, and I really understood the idea that it was a numbers game and that calories in, calories out was going to be the number one defining factor as to whether or not you lost weight. And once I understood that, things became very black and white for me and I didn't let myself become emotional about what I was eating. And I think as soon as I, I think I listened to two podcasts the first day and I went home and started a spreadsheet on my laptop, opened up Excel and started tracking what I was eating. And I think for the first couple of weeks, it was a bit of an experiment. And I was thinking, God, it can't be this easy, can it? Um, but sure enough, it actually was. And the weight started coming down relatively quickly. Um, and I wasn't really working out, but I was tracking what I was eating. I wasn't even tracking, I was tracking um, my macros, but I didn't worry about that. I was just worried about um, um, the calories. And I was like, who is this guy, Adam Martin? Everything that he says turns to gold. Um, no, but truly, of course, then I was going into more of your podcast and I learned more about protein and thermic effect of food and, um, you know, and sleep and, and all of that stuff I knew, but for some reason, I just, it all was coming together. Um, and then I'd heard you talk about your program, the five in 10, and immediately thought, I thought, well, maybe this is going to be a great way to consolidate what I was doing. Um, I'm a really social person. So for me, it kind of made sense to want to do it in a group. And I knew after learning a little bit about the program that I'd be doing a weight loss program or something similar, um, you know, with a group of people. And the other thing that I needed to do was to make sure that my workouts were going to be consistent. And I knew that if I was working out um, as part of the program, that was going to be that little level of accountability that I needed to stay consistent. Um, I didn't really know what else um, the program entailed, but I knew that I wanted to work with somebody in Melbourne and that happened to be you and that um, I was open to what the program offered. Um, but of course I had um, followed everything that you'd said, said to do from basically April to October and I dropped like six or seven kilos at, at that time. And I think when we started, I was about 69 or 70 kilos then. So, yeah. amazing. Well, I mean, your journey into it, it sounds very similar to me. Um, you know, I'm I'm blessed that I get to speak to hundreds, if not thousands, of people um, over the last couple of years in my journey of kind of documenting the whole no breakfast guy, if we call it for lack of a better word, brand um, over the years. Um, and your kind of story into kind of coming onto the program is is very much the normal in that you know a lot of people start just reading stuff that I might be doing or listening to stuff that I might be doing or following you know, my journey on the stories or whatever it might be. And it's, it's a moment in time, whether it's a month down the line, whether it's a year down the line, I've had someone who has contacted me and said, Adam, I remember you when you were in France and I know it's three years later, but yesterday it finally clicked for me. And, you know, I, I'm not judgmental in any way, shape or form in that, I've been saying the same message day in, day out for you know four years. And a lot of people say, don't you get bored? And it's like, no, because I understand that it might be the 737th time that I've said calories in, calories out. 
that for whatever moment, for whatever reason, that moment in time correlated with whether it's the renegade motions of Mercury or it's, you know, whatever it might be for that person in time, it's just click. That's what it needed to be. And whether that person reaches out and says, I want to work with you or Adam, I then started doing something and this is what has happened. I am just blessed by the fact that I can have that impact on people's lives. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm truly thankful for that. And so the fact that you then called me up and said, Adam, all right, what's this five in 10? Let's do it. I'm at the right point in my life that this is what I want to do. Um, and obviously you're in the right headspace for it. And so for people listening in, I'd love to get a, an insight then into your mind. If, if someone's sitting on the fence or they're kind of, you know, is this program for me? Is it not for me? You know, where do you, where were you in that kind of moment where you said, you know what, I'm going to take the leap from, I've been doing this myself and obviously seeing um, results and you, you know, you're doing really well when you came to the program. So some people might hear this and go, well, why even start the program? You were fine. Yeah. Everything was going fine. So yeah. why was it that moment in time that, you know what, Adam gave me the information. I contacted him. Yep. This is something I'm going to do. What, why, why take that next step? Yeah, I, um, it, that's a really good question and uh, it's different for everybody. But for me, when I signed up, I did sign up, sign up for, for one round, um, but I quickly discovered that it was working for me to the point where it was just the perfect level of accountability for me to keep going with this program. Um, and I may have mentioned this the other night, I wanted something that I could keep ticking in the background of my life that was a level of accountability that wasn't too much that was going to sit nicely into um, maybe the next 12 months. And of course, it wasn't just the workouts and it wasn't just the family, which is which have had an incredible impact on me, but it was the self-development of the program that goes along with it. And I'm big into self-development and I'm big into um, challenges, but it enabled me to, I think, keep a level of consistency across my life in the kind of the four main areas that I needed to stay healthy. Um, and even, you know, when I look at, um, because it's difficult to do it by yourself and I didn't want to do it by myself either. I'm one of those sorts of people that um, I'm intrinsically motivated to a point, um, but I much prefer um, the social aspect of, of fitness that, you know, that can, that can bring to one's life, to one's life but also realise that having a professional in my corner was just going to catapult my results even faster. I mean, when you look at somebody like um, Gary Vaynerchuk comes to mind, he's probably one of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world. And yet in order for him to work out, he has a personal trainer every single day of his life. You know, so I... I realized and I had through this self-development process gotten to know myself well enough that I work better when I'm doing it with someone, when I've got a coach or a teacher, when I'm doing it a little bit every day. We don't go mad on the program. I only do half an hour a day, you know, five days a week. Um, when I'm eating well, because I've got a level of accountability there because I'm tracking some things. And it's um, just something that I found I could do easily every day. And it was, and it's been fun. Um, so it's been very easy to continue. Um, you know, I'm onto my what my 18th week, I think, is part of the program. Yep. Um, and, and I'm equally now as comfortable in between those times as well when we when we aren't on the program 
um, because I, I know what I need to do. And, and I'm getting better at that as time goes on. I'm just getting better at what we're doing, essentially. Um, I know I speak about it, and you've obviously spoken about it a lot now as well, um, is the, obviously the group and the family aspect of it. And um, what started out for me is said the very first program I had had 13 women join up. And I thought, how, how can I contact them all? Because I know how... Um, what's a hit and miss email can be. And obviously a lot of the communication comes through email, but you know, sometimes emails get lost in the dark web that is <laughs> the internet and like, oh, I didn't get that email this week, Adam, can you send it through to me again? And so I understand, I was like, how can I make sure people are 100% going to get my message, whether they want to read it or not, that's up to them, but how are they going to get it? I was like, oh, WhatsApp, that'll, that'll do. And so I just randomly started a WhatsApp chat in that first one. And it was purely in the first round was just a, a text message that I could send people. There was no group chat. There was no, hey, let's have a little room where people can talk amongst each other. But the second round, I thought, people seem to want to talk to each other. They're asking questions. So maybe I'll open up a group room. And that's kind of where it started, round two, round three, somewhere around there. And I think that's where the actual program took off. Like I could sit there and say that it was because I has great content and it was helping people. And I think that's certainly an aspect of it. But I think it really kind of blossomed from round three to round four and really then took off from there because people then found that family. They found that tribe and that group and that, you know, I've spoken about it time and time again with um, the book Lost Connections in that people, um, you know, one of the surprising reasons why maybe depression has been on the increase is because we've lost our connection with others and our tribe and feeling like we have a support network or a community that we can rely on when shit goes wrong or whatever it might be. And I think, Having that as part of the program, I think is a very big selling point. And some people use it, some people don't, you know, to the level that they want to. And whether you're in the background and you just see the chats going on or whether you want to actively get involved and actually be part of the conversation, people have their own, you know, levels of, um, I guess, involvement in that. But I think just knowing it is there, I think is a very big aspect that people, you know, really come to enjoy and um, find their feet with. Um, and that, you know, you've shared that is, has that been something that if that wasn't there and it was just you and I, do you think you would have found as much success? Would you have come back again? Like kind of give me a sense of how much does that part of the program play in the fact that you've enjoyed this program as much as you have? Yeah, I, it's funny, as much as I'm a social person, I wouldn't have thought that I um, am massively connected with people online like that I'm actually not I'm much better face to face and I and I know that from the time that I spend online talking to friends overseas it's generally not a lot I'm a I'm an in your face kind of person and and I wasn't sure how I'd go with the whatsapp group to be honest but um it's kind of been the opposite it is really been um we talk about family on a lot but it really actually does feel like that when we were finishing up the first round or the first round that I took part in, it was the last day of the program, it felt like the end of school because we were breaking up and we weren't going to be seeing each other or speaking to each other for, for quite a while. Um, it's, um, it's certainly an area that, um, or a part, part of the program that brings people together and allows people to be kind of honest with where they're feeling. And, and that is important when you're going through a program or when you're going through a change in life. And, and when you're trying to get fitter or lose weight, um, you, are you are making some big changes in your life and you do need 
that support? Well, it certainly helps to have that support because you may have it at different levels at home and coming together with some like-minded people that are going on the same journey um, makes, a, makes an incredible amount of difference. And I've absolutely loved that aspect of it. Um, I also found that it can be, a, yes, a little bit overwhelming to begin with, but you know, when you're in something, you kind of do need to focus on that pretty hard. And, and sometimes the WhatsApp chat is that support network that you can dive into, you know, for a little bit. Um, and of course I've loved it. So I've been able to share some videos and stuff. And, and I have to admit when I first started, um, and I had learned so much from you, even before my program actually started, I wanted to share that knowledge as well. Um, and it was a fun way to put it out on video. And I guess for me, it wasn't something else that people had to necessarily read if they could kind of watch a video to maybe tell them what I was thinking or, um, you know, or a new recipe or something like that. So, um, so let's just dive into, I guess, the program itself. Um, obviously, it's evolved over time and different challenges. And that's obviously how this program runs in that the first four weeks are always the four pillars um, that we kind of focus everything around. Um, and those four pillars being, you know, talking about calories, talking about sleep, talking about neat exercise slash movement and things like that, um, and then protein. So that has never changed from day one. Obviously, I changed some of the wording. I was like, I could do that better. I could make that a bit better or kind of however I might put it across. Um, but they're the four pillars. Let's just go deep into those first. When you first started, um, obviously, you would have come to the table with a bit of understanding of calories and things like that because you'd already um, started tracking and doing things like that. But I know it massively intimidates people when they first read my information sheet. Oh my God, I'm, I'm going to have to track everything I eat. And, oh, you know, oh, he's telling you, I'm going to have to get up at five o'clock in the morning. Like all these things can be a bit overwhelming when you read them first, but obviously as you start to play into them, oh, I see why he's doing that. And oh, okay, this makes sense. And obviously it makes sense when you're in it. But yeah. was there anything that kind of, when you first kind of came to it that, oh my God, this is, this is a bit much or this feels a bit overwhelming. And like those first four pillars, when we went through them, how did you experience them and how did you kind of feel you went through them? Um, the calories was fine, wasn't a problem because I had been doing that. The protein, um, it wasn't a challenge, but it was definitely, um, there were definitely things that I had to change in my diet to make sure I was getting to that next level. So for me, I was only, I think I was averaging between 80 and 90 grams a day and that wasn't quite enough. So I need to make a concerted effort and to make sure that I was having a look daily to see where I was at. Well, it wasn't a big deal, but I did have to make some changes, um, you know, and there were, there was so much information out and in the chat as to how you might do that. And then um, I became one of these persons that had a big, um, a big, uh, you know, packet of protein powder on the kitchen counter uh, every day of my life in different flavors, five different flavors, but that's okay. Um, the needs and exercise really did start to make a lot of sense. And uh, that week for me, walking was easy because I'd be out walking the dog first thing in the morning and, and getting up. But that little 30 minutes a day of exercise was something that I really wanted to start to um, become much more consistent with. And of course, being able to tick that sheet off every day is also what helps because you're actually physically... Um, ticking off something and there's that little element of, oh, I, I've got that done, you know, pat myself on the back, uh, which we need to do to ourselves because nobody else is going to do it. And you get to do that kind of in this program. Um, and as you go through, and like you always say, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you get those 
peel is ticked off 80% of the time and you're well and truly um, on your way. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think that's a very valid point that you bring up in that consistency over perfection. And people have heard me say that, and it's certainly not my saying. People say it all over the place, but it's something I certainly champion hugely uh, in the group. And I always use uh, Rory as the example for that. And um, she knows where I'm coming from when in saying this, in that Rory is not even close to perfect. No one is. And yet Rory has seen huge success on this program in that she's almost at 30 kilos lost um, in her time on this program and completely turned her life around um, because of it. And as I said, I led in by saying that she hasn't been anywhere close to perfect. And so the, the point of the, or the moral of the story being is that, you know, we should, we should not look to be perfect because if we are, we're always going to fail because no one can hold up a perfect stick for the rest of their life, even for, um, you know, a week at a time, it's, it's difficult to be in quote perfect. And so, yeah, that, that message of consistency is certainly one that I hammer in and, I try and say it as clearly as I can from the outset, but inevitably most of us have lived a life of black and white in that like, and a lot of people can probably relate to this and maybe you can yourself, is that any program they've done in the past or any time they've tried to lose weight, the moment they veer from it, it's like, ah, stuff it, I'm done, I'm over, what's the point? Absolutely. You know, I've, I've stuffed up, so I'll give up yeah. completely. And so yeah. getting rid of that mindset can be a, 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 a challenging thing to do. And I understand that's not going to happen overnight. As yep. much as they may hear you say it now, they may hear me say it a thousand times during the program, but really understanding that message of consistency is all you need. You don't need perfection. And then being patient with it is yep. um, is the key to kind of moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And we give ourselves such a hard time when we're not perfect, but you would never give your best friend a hard time if they missed one day or or you know, or skip something or you just wouldn't, you'd, you'd treat them with care and love and say, just jump back on the bike and off you go. But we don't do that to ourselves um, very well. And we need, we need to. Definitely. Absolutely. So that kind of, I guess, encapsulates the start of the program. You know, we really kind of get to the crux of it. And I always say at the end of the four weeks, if you were to leave the program now and you just focused on those four things for the rest of your life, that's all there is to it. And I know you even said it before, is it, it can't be this simple, surely. But it really is. And I use that word simple very um, meaningfully because it's not going to be easy to maintain your calories and exercise and good quality sleep and um, getting in enough protein. It's never going to be easy. And there's always going to be things in life that are going to come up. And whether that's the whole world goes into a health pandemic and we're all locked indoors for a year or you have a father die or a marriage breaks up or Mm. your kid gets sick or whatever it might be. I'm not going to sit there and say to someone who comes to me and says, Adam, you know, I've just found out that my best friend has cancer and, you know, I've known them since they were a child that, well, make sure you're still exercising make sure you're still, of course I'm not. I mean, and nor should you um, think that you're going to be perfect all the time or have to be on, on game all the time. And that, you know, these things are going to come up in life, but if you can play that consistency game and that game is an 80 year journey, because let's say our average life is going to be 80 years, no matter where you are on that, you've got a long time. So just, as you said, be kind to yourself and, um, you know, play out this game and go through those ebbs and flows over life. Yeah, yeah. It is something I've been thinking about in the last few weeks, though. I mean, when we're going through stressful times in our life, the first thing that drops off is our own health and well-being. Um, in, invariably, I see it happen in other people's lives and, and I know myself that it's happened to me. But if I was dealing... I know now, if I was dealing with something super stressful... 
if I went out for a run and came back, I'd be feeling so much better about that situation or I'd turn up better to the family member that I'd have to help who was going through a tough time. I'd be a better daughter, I'm a better partner, I'm a better sister when I've just gone for a run. I just know that I can be a different person. I can go out in such a bad mood and come back in such a good mood just because I've gone off for 30 minutes. And I feel the same when I'm eating well and I feel the same when I'm drinking water and all of that stuff. So it's still funny that it's the first thing that drops off when we're taking care of ourselves, but we so we show up so much better in every one of those scenarios when we're just doing a little bit every day to, to, to do what we can to take care of ourselves better. I think it's a really valid point, um, but the, the slight, not pushback on, but for lack of a better word, the slight pushback I'll say on that um, is that, I can't remember his name, but he's a guy who climbed the seven peaks in like seven weeks and broke the world record. I can't remember what his name was. He's a fascinating bloke and he's on, he's on Instagram, but he calls it the kind of armchair effect is that he does talks all over the world about the fact that he did these seven peaks and things like that. And everyone at the end of the talk, you know, they've got a comfortable auditorium that they're in. It's nice and heated and things like this. And he's speaking about this incredibly inspirational thing that he did. And people come up to him and go, Oh my God, let's just call him Bob, Bob that is so inspiring. And you've made me want to, I want to go and start doing some things that are going to really challenge me and da, 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 you know, whatever it might be. He hears it a thousand times, every single talk that he um, goes and does. He calls it the armchair effect. And he said, it's easy when you're in a good place mm. to go, oh, that's so inspiring. You know, I now want to go and climb Mount Everest. I want to go and run a marathon. I want to, you know, it's, in, it's easy to do when you're in a, a good place, but it's a really different story when you're on the top of Mount Everest and you've got 30 meters to go, your oxygen is out, it's minus 50 degrees, and you're thinking, I can't even move another step to then go, no, you know you're gonna feel better by going those extra 30 meters. Like when you're in the trenches and you're not in the com comfort of your home in a good place, it's easy to say that you could do it. But when you're in the middle of it, it's not so easy. And so my, as I said, my pushback only is that I don't want people to feel bad if mum is sick and then all of a sudden you just forget about your health and well-being because you want to be there for mum absolutely I agree with you that you know you you know you're going to be a better person you know you're going to feel better and you're going to be out of show up better for mum or whatever the story may be that you're attending to but understand that you can't always and don't don't mm. kill you don't beat yourself up for the fact that you know I should have gone for that run because I would have felt more energetic I could have been better for mum sitting yeah. in that you know armchair while she's in hospital or whatever it might have been yeah yeah, and it comes back to what we were saying before is you still need to be your own best friend with that sort of stuff and know when when you're not going to do it and when you can't and when you're going to jump back on the horse and, and, and not give up and stop completely. Absolutely. And so I guess the first four weeks, as I said, are always the same. And then the next six weeks, and I kind of like to say the first four weeks is from the neck down. So we're kind of working on the body. And then the next six weeks basically is from the, the neck up. And it's normally a lot of, psychological stuff and kind of helping you attend to those four pillars of health and fat loss when shit does get real. And when you're in the real world and trying to enable you with some tools that are going to make it an easier process. And um, I just like you to kind of highlight if any come to uh, come to mind of over your journey so far, you've done, as I said, this program now 18 weeks. So you would have done the four pillars twice, but there's been other weeks that have been involved in that. Just share, I guess, some of the different focus points and challenges we've gone on over that that come to mind. Any that have been like, you know, this was a really good one. I really enjoyed that. I got a lot of value from that because of X, Y, and Z. 
and just share, I guess, yeah, what the rest of the program has kind of looked like um, for you um, anyway. Yeah, for sure. Um, so a big one for me that resonated was body superannuation. And, you know, and I know that you talk a lot about this and, and I've certainly been the type of person that um, really has gravitated to instant gratification. Um, and, and that certainly changed over time. And I think when I started thinking about the body superannuation week and you were talking about doing the strength work now on your body and the mind work um, to put you in good stead for the end of your life. I'm not for, sorry, not for the end of your life, but for later on in life. And so now when I think about doing a strength workout, that's what I'm thinking about. My mindset is what my body's going to be like in three months time, one year's time, five years time, if I just kind of keep chipping away at building some muscle. Um, so that's had a really big impact on me because once again, I'm playing the long game and I'm not doing a half an hour workout when I don't really feel like it and, and thinking that it doesn't have a lot of effect because it's I'm playing the long game on, you know, on, on the strength of my body. Um, so that was a big one for me. Can I just, um, just to go in on that point, um, just something that came to mind, just be, it's, it's interesting you, you came up with that one as the first one, is it, um, I'm part of James Smith's um, daily email list. And today he actually sent out one that kind of hits on that point um, really, really well in that he was in the gym, he said today, and he saw a couple of girls come into the gym, put down their phone and a phone timer started and they did some star jumps some running jacks and whatever kind of they were doing. And then they went home after 15 minutes worth. And he was just like, you know, they just have no idea what they're doing. And he wasn't saying that as a malicious thing. He was saying that, that they were probably coming to the gym there for that moment in time. It was like, how many calories can I burn in the next 15 minutes? And if I do a heap of star jumps and high knee runnings and mountain climbers, I'm going to burn a heap of calories. And it shouldn't be the reason why you're exercising. If you're going to the gym to say, how many calories can I burn? And how can I, you're thinking just solely on that moment in time rather than what you've just shared there as it is in the kind of body superannuation concept that I talk about is that you're doing an investment in that you're not going to see a return on that workout that you're just doing right there. You might feel a bit better and yeah, okay, good. I did a workout today, but realistically when you're 73 years of age and you're standing up out of your chair and you're in that retirement home and you've got Jody, Bob and Susan sitting next to you and they all can't get out of their chair without assistance. You're going to probably have that moment and go, God, I wish, I'm so glad I did that workout back when I was 32, 42, 52 and kind of were putting in yeah. that investment into your body. Um, that's where you should be, um, your mindset, as you said, should be at why am I exercising? Why am I putting this time into it that I don't want to get up? I don't want to do this. Of course you don't. No one really, I mean, we can all sit there and say we'd love, we love exercising. We don't always want to go and do it. We don't always want to be there. But that investment, however small it may be, is, you know, for that future future version of you and that you're investing into that pot of retirement fund of exercise um, that, you know, we kind of talk about in that body superannuation. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's easier said than done. I mean, there's a reason why um, super is automatically taken out of our, you know, out of our wages to go into our accounts for later on in life is because we wouldn't do it if, if it were up to us. And unfortunately it's kind of the same thing that's, that can be difficult, um, you know, with working out, but that mindset made me think quite differently about the workouts that I've been doing. That's, that's a really interesting point. And that, that just made my head go in a thousand directions. Is there another business opportunity there in that, in that I absolutely believe that workplaces should be 
taking it out of people's wages in that, you know, you should be forced probably isn't the right word here because people don't like being forced to do, but you know, people are happy to have their, their pay taken out because it is super and like you understand that yep, that's saving for the future. And yep, that just goes away. Yeah. We happily will kind of just give away money when we know we're investing into the future. And so yeah. why not force people and say, you now, I'm forcing you 30 minutes out, you go, go and do a walk. Like, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know where my head's going at that, yeah. that but yeah, yeah, like office places yeah. or workplaces should be kind of, again, mandating, it's not the word, but yeah, mandating some sort of physical activity into people's work days. Because yeah. one, they'll be better workers for one, but for two, you're investing in your workers' health for the long run. And obviously that's going to be a benefit to every person um, in that group, whether it's the business, whether it's the individual, whether it's the government, whether it's the, the country, everyone benefits from it. Yeah, yeah. And I want to age well. As I get older, I want to keep getting stronger. There's no reason why I can't. And and I'll keep doing that for as long as I can. Absolutely. Um, so, and, you know, the Mike McCarty video um, that you sent around was, you know, really important. How, what shape do you want your body to be in when you're 60, 70 and 80? You get to choose that. It's not going to happen on its own. You get to choose to be a healthier version of a 70-year-old. Um, or, or a not so healthy, in a physical sense, you know, you can start doing some work now. So, so that resonated with me. Um, blowout day. I knew it was coming. Ab- I was so glad you brought it up. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that was a hu- huge eye, eye, eye opener. So, you know, blowout day, for those that don't know, is basically a day where you get to eat what you want as often as you want how much you want, you can absolutely just go to town for um, uh, for the day. Uh, and the idea is you just get right back on track the next day. Um, you don't cut your calories. You don't do any extra exercise. You just get back on get back on track. Um, and and that's the that's the challenge. There is that mindset of getting back on track. Um, and I know that I've spoken to you about this, but the interesting thing that came to light for me was, um, and I learned this throughout the year, but it was really, uh, again, another light bulb moment was that idea of bad food, good food, and how we label that bad, good, that bad food, good food, and how we tell ourselves that it's good food, bad food, as early as the supermarket shop. Um, and... So what happened to me was we had um, been given the directive from you to go and eat what we want. And I quickly started scouring through the, um, the supermarket uh, catalogue to see, you know, what was on sale, what I wanted to eat. And I went down to Woolworths and decided that I was going to get all of this Ben and Jerry's and um, my favourite crisps. And, um, and I was walking past all of the, fl- I wasn't, I was standing in front of all of the flavours uh, and I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to pick? I can eat all of this guilt-free and then I was like hang on a minute why is it suddenly guilt-free because Adam told me I could eat it today what what's changed it's still the same ice cream Um, and of course I started to realize that quite often we label food and we call it bad food for example um, because it's calorie dense before we've even put it in the trolley and we're giving ourselves a, a hard time about that food that we're going to eat and we might just buy it because it's on sale or we say we're going to buy it because we're buying it for the family but of course secretly we actually want to eat it but we're labeling that bad food and giving ourselves a hard time and feeling guilty about eating it before we've even put it in the trolley 
Um, and it was just a real um, eye-opener to me about what I say to myself or what I did say to myself when I was choosing the foods that I was eating. Um, and that's changed significantly. And it had mostly to do with that blowout day, to be honest. Um, and I, I don't think about good food or bad food um, anymore. I think the day that I discovered I could eat a donut and still fit it into my calorie deficit day was the greatest day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think blowout day, when, when I was, as I said, I, every single round I looked at, okay, how could I do it better? What, what challenge would, and I kind of listened to people and kind of their feedback and, um, you know, if a common theme seems to come up and that's where it kind of started. You know, people, oh, I felt bad for having this today. And that kind of common theme was happening in the group chat. I heard, kept on seeing people say bad food, bad food. Oh, I felt really good today because I had good meals and good food kind of thing. I'm like, ah, how can I play on that? And so that's why I called it, um, you know, I guess brought about that challenge. And from there, and kind of really hampered on the fact of, and you, you encapsulated kind of the real meaning behind it. Now it's all fun and all, you know, we all get to kind of just eat whatever we want and every, and the group chat goes bananas on that day. It's like, oh my God, I'm having this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. But I really look towards that next day and what the kind of follow-up conversation is. And it's always great to see people who, you know, sometimes who have, and a couple of people come to mind who have been to the program before that, before I'd had that blow-up day and seeing how they used to talk about their food and how they were around it and how it's now changed, just as you have said, um, because of blowout day. And so, um, yeah, I really like that uh, message that comes through um, on that and people really getting rid of that guilt around food that we all do. Um, mm. And I look forward, and I've already said this um, in the um, group chat as well, is, and I look forward to doing it with you all, with you all next um, round. I try and get involved as much as I can with the program. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know you and Emma have certainly um, probably been the biggest consumers on those days, you know, around the four, four and a half thousand calories. Um, yeah. And I want to show you girls how to properly do it. So um, I, I kind of said, look, I'm going to do a 10,000 calorie challenge um, on the next blowout. And I think the blowout day is probably going to be part of the program almost as like the fifth pillar, because I think it is actually a really kind of a valuable um, part of the program to kind of have just because of that lesson that can be learned. Yeah. But I secretly probably am going to keep it in next round just because I want to do it myself. But, um, but yeah, I thought if we're going to do this, let's really do this properly. Let me show you kind of how to kind of really go through some calories. So, yeah, I, I look forward to kind of being a part of it with you girls as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think some friendships were strengthened, to be honest, when we were in the planning phase of, of our blowout days for some of us. Unfortunately, it ended up, uh, you know, crossing over with the five-day lockdown that um, Melbourne had. And so we, we couldn't get together. Um, a couple of us secretly met to swap some donuts under a very dodgy bridge um, <laughs> in, in Docklands, but, um, but that's okay. We did have our, uh, you know, our donut fix for the day, and we we had a really good time. I actually thought second time around, um, I was really looking forward to blowout day, and I I was kind of giving myself a little bit of a hard time because I just thought, oh, this is just an excuse for me to have a big day with some food. What am I going to learn from it? Um, but I actually didn't. I was really looking forward to jumping on the scales the next day. And it was really interesting to see, um, um, you know, what the scales said just out of uh, my own curiosity um, and the confidence that I had in myself to, to jump on the scales and feel good about whatever the number was. Um, so once again, um, it was just consolidating what I'd learned in the first round. And I'll just kind of get 
better at it. Um, and uh, yeah, and more confidence in myself to know that this is the process now. Amazing. Um, what's one other one? Just one other week that maybe really kind of stood out for you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just a stickler for having threes. And so, yeah, what's your, what's your third one that kind of really stood out for you? Um, definitely the week that we had to, I think it was maybe goal setting week where we had to do something for 21 days in a row. Was that goal setting week? Uh, yeah, I think pre- yeah, the previous round, yeah, yeah. So, we had to choose something that we were going to do for the next 21 days of the program, and it was an absolute non negotiable that we did this every single day. Uh, there were no ifs and buts, it had to be your bright line. You were setting yourself a rule for yourself just for the 21 days, and so whatever that was, um. I guess there was a bit of thinking that went into it because you didn't want it to be too hard and, and unattainable because once you missed it, you'd kind of feel like a failure, but it also couldn't be too easy because you needed to feel like you were going to accomplish something. And so I chose, it could have been one of the four pillars, but I actually chose that I had to go for a, um, a three kilometer run every single day for those 21 days. And I'd picked out sort of the route that I was going to take and um, I could basically run down to um, the strand where I live here, um, touch a wall, which was kind of um, down there, 1.5 Ks from my house, funnily enough, turn around and come back and that was three kilometers. And I knew that anywhere between 19 and 21 minutes or 22 minutes, I'd, I'd be back home. And the reason why I chose that amount of time, sorry, that um, length and that amount of uh, and that run is because I knew that if it was no, six o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock at night, I could still get it done. And I could not think of one excuse as to why I wouldn't get it done. It was an absolute non-negotiable. Um, and I think that was a lesson for me because I, once again, learned that I could do anything that I set my mind to. And, and it became very black and white. There wasn't no, there wasn't a, I, I really can't be bothered. And there were a few 10 o'clock at night runs. Pam was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I need to go and do my run. And I came back, like, it wasn't a, will I do it or won't I? I just did it um, because I had set that rule for myself. Um, and so that was just a great example and a great challenge to set a rule for yourself and, and leave nothing to, it's not a yes or a no. It's a yes, I'm doing it. Amazing. Um, well, I really appreciate the insights that you've given. And I hope that, um, you know, anyone listening in that, you know, this is obviously going to become part of my information sheet of, you know, if you want to learn more about it, listen to this podcast because Michelle and I talked more about it. And you can hear her um, kind of story and kind of how it all went about. So I really appreciate your insights from there. I guess any kind of sum up from kind of, if someone's sitting on the fence and they've listened to this podcast and like, oh, this might be for me, I don't know, like, is there anything you would say to someone listening to this? You know, should I jump on? Should I not jump on? Is it right for me? Because I'm, I'm fully open and honest and say, this isn't right for everyone. I understand that my program doesn't suit everyone. But if you are listening to this, what would be kind of your two cents on, I guess, yeah, someone listening in kind of, do I jump, do I not? Um, I would say absolutely jump in and give it a go. It's a completely affordable program. It's only 10 weeks of your life. Um, I've done a lot of programs. I've done Sam Wood, Michelle Bridges, um, keto, paleo, vegetarian, vegan, everything that you could possibly imagine I've done. And this has been the program that I've learned the most from, that makes the most sense, that is is science, calories in, calories out. Um, 
but it's also been the first time in my life that I've actually stuck to something that truly makes sense. Um, and I know that I, I could not, I don't need to complete the next round um, because I know what I need to know, but the longer I do it, the better I'm getting at all of this. And this is what this enables me to do. Um, and the self-development that goes along with it, you, you can't help but be a better version of yourself if, if you're in the program because you're learning as you're going and, and you're forming friendships and relationships. Um, I, I've, I've truly loved it. And I've, I've, as you know, signed up for the rest of the year because I just want to keep this ticking in the background um, of my life. Awesome. Well, now, again, Michelle, I really appreciate um, your insights. It's always great to chat to you. I know we've had plenty of good chats over our time. So just be able to have a bit more formal to kind of just have you and I sit here and chat. And um, it's been interesting to learn more about you. But um, I also appreciate, as said, your insights onto the program. So yeah, thank you so much. No, you're welcome. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, Adam. Excellent. Well, um, you're not going to get away from out uh, without doing my five in uh, quick fire five. Um, and in knowing you, I know you've probably prepared for this because you know what the questions are. And I know you shared that with me before we even started that uh, you had prepared. But give me your first answer that comes to mind um, to my um, first five uh, for my quick fire five, if you don't mind indulging me with those. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So beach or snow? Definitely beach. I live around the corner from the beach. I'm there all the time. Beach, beach, beach. I normally don't then go on and follow up, um, follow up with a question. Is there a beach in the world that you've been to that uh, if you could teleport to it now, what's the, what's the one beach that we'd, uh, you'd love to go back to? Um, uh, I really enjoyed Waikiki Beach in Hawaii. Beautiful. Nice. Um, one event, future or past, which way would you go and what would that event be? Um, that would be the past. Um, and that would be with my dad when he was in um Malta uh when he used to sell cigarettes on the streets I'd just love to be kind of in that space living the life that I think he would have lived sort of back then amazing good answer um one food for the rest of your life don't have to worry about calories or nutritional value it gives you everything you need what would it be I think it would be a cinnamon scroll okay is there a particular cinnamon scroll that you've come across that that's the one I would have again um, I just, once I realized that those, you know, the, the fabulous Cinnabon cinnamon scrolls that are apparently going to be in Australia any day now, they're moving the franchise over, has like 800 calories per cinnamon scroll. And once <laughs> I realized that, I was like, that's it. No more cinnamon scrolls. Um, so probably cinnamon scrolls because there's just something about the bread and the sugar and the cinnamon that just does it for me. Yeah. Yum. Um, family, friend, famous, dead or alive, who would you like to have dinner with tonight? Lady Diana. Interesting answer. Certainly haven't had that one before. Yeah. I like it. Fantastic. Um, get super selfish. You've got one day left on this planet. You've said goodbye to everyone. It's your time to spend. What do you do with that last 24 hours? I would teleport to my favourite cities in the world for the entire day and do nothing but eat. I'd have bagels and coffee in New York. Um, I would have pasta and pizza in Naples. I'd have um, sushi train in Tokyo. Um, and I'd probably finish with uh, mango coconut rice in Bangkok. Amazing. Great answers, Michelle. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time today. Um, guys, I really appreciate your time. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. 
That's been another episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I hope you enjoy. I've loved our time. See you next week. Bye.